Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. This, she is the mother of harlots, and these harlot daughters uh, comprise not only, again, of Roman Catholicism, which I believe is the root of it, the very foundation, but also apostate Protestantism. The Protestants aren't off the hook. And every foul thing, like Eastern mysticism and the New Age movement, it's all going to be together like a big, unholy soup. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. The harlot that we are studying about today must be larger than any one branch of a religious institution. She is the embodiment of Satan's own ecumenical movement, the religion of the world system. Our world, strong with the philosophy that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe, is preparation for the harlot's seduction. We see the casual disregard for the truth crippling the church today. Now here's Pastor Rob with today's lesson. In this same uh, verse in the New American Standard Bible, what does it say? It says, and on her forehead a name was written, a mystery, comma, and then the title, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, etc. It says the same thing in the uh, uh, English Standard Version. And on her head was written a name, of, a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes, and of the earth's abominations. And we also look in the NIV, we see something very similar. The name of, on her was written a mystery. It was On her forehead was a mystery. And the title, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. So Babylon the Great, Great Babylon, or the Great City Babylon is mentioned six times in the book of Revelation, but never mystery Babylon the Great. Does that make sense? And that's important because... Um, We'll we'll look at that in a minute. But there's six times it's mentioned in Revelation chapter 14, verse 8. It's mentioned in Revelation 16, verse 19. In other words, these titles, Babylon the Great, or Great Babylon, or the Great City Babylon. It's also mentioned in 17, verse 5, which is where we're at now. In Revelation 18, verse 2, verse 10, and verse 21, they all give these titles, but never Mystery Babylon the Great. It's not meant to be a mystery. I mean, it is a mystery, but it's something that is revealed to us. I mean, is the, is the book of Revelation, the very title of the book, Apocalypsis, means an unveiling, not a concealing. So think about that as we come to this. It's not meant to conceal. It's meant to reveal who this is. 
the source behind this apostate church, this harlot church. And what is the source? It's Babylon. Babylon. When the Bible says Babylon, it means Babylon, with only one maybe exception in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13, where Peter was in Rome, actually, and so was, um, so was John Mark. And he said, She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark my son. And Peter was in, in Rome in prison, at the Mamertine prison. I was actually able to visit that in 1990. But that's where he was. So Babylon, in that verse specifically, could be a code name for Rome, and it's very possible. Because later on in history, Babylon did become a code name for Rome. But in here, and especially when we get into chapter 18, Babylon is Babylon. Take the Bible literally, unless it lends itself and, and reveals it itself, that it's speaking of something else. Like a woman sitting on many waters, you know that that's symbolic, right? Because a woman can't sit on many waters, neither can a man for that matter, even a very large man, right? So you know in context what that's all about. And Babylon is the, is the second most named city in the Bible, appearing some 290 times. The only one that trumps that is Jerusalem, which occurs over 800 times. And so Babylon meant Babylon. It meant Babylon. In the second century, uh, Tertullian, who was a one of the church fathers, and again, um, late in the second century, he used the name Babylon as a code name for Rome. But prior to that, it meant it meant Babylon. It meant Babylon. And so what we're looking at here in chapter 17, when he says mystery, a mystery, Babylon the Great, he's talking about Babylon. He's talking about the very beginnings, the foundations of Babylon. <clears throat> and again, it is a mystery. Because where is the foundation of this? Where did it all come from? And where is it going? I think it's very interesting that really the beginning of pagan religion, the very beginning of humanism, the very beginning of it all came on that plain in Shinar after the flood. Nimrod, we'll see later on, built this place in Genesis chapter 10. They began building it in Genesis chapter 11. And ultimately, at the end of all things, God is going to allow that city to be rebuilt again, and it's going to be the headquarters for this Roman Empire, this revived Roman Empire with the Antichrist at the helm. But it is a mystery in Colossians, it speaks about this idea of a mystery. And again, a mystery is something that is now revealed that was previously hidden from us, that we didn't quite understand. And in fact, Colossians 1.26, it says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And he gives the mystery here. Here's the mystery. Christ in you. The hope of glory, that was the mystery. The church being indwelt by the Spirit of God, that was completely unknown to the, to the Jews. Even the prophets, they're, they're, they're writing things and they don't quite understand. But that was a mystery that was concealed then, but has now been revealed in the name of Christ, whom by his Spirit has indwelt us. Aren't you glad you're indwelt by the Spirit? I don't know, are you? <laughs> yes, we are. I am so blessed to be a Christian. So blessed, and you should be too. 
Rejoice in the King of Kings. Rejoice in the one that loves you with an everlasting love. Rejoice in the one who gave everything for you. He hasn't withheld any good thing from you, and he never will. And I'm so thankful for him. But notice this, the interaction between the beast and this woman is a mystery. This apostate church and this unholy, revived Roman Empire, what could they possibly do together? That, that is a mystery as well. And the title shows the origin of the woman's religion, where she gets this apostate religion. She is the progenitress, if I can use that term, of everything that is anti-Christian. Everything that is anti-Christian is found in this apostate harlot woman. So she calls herself, in verse 5, the mother of harlots. Notice, she's not just a harlot. She is the mother. She's the progenitress of harlotry. And the only place that we know where that originally came forward was in, or began, was in Babylon. In Babylon, it all happened there. And notice that John doesn't tell us whether this is some mark on her forehead, because it says on her forehead a name was written. Was it a mark on her forehead, or was it a band? Uh, just like the, the prostitutes, the Roman prostitutes, they would put a band around their head. Uh, was it that? We really don't know. But she's the mother of harlots. That means the mother has many harlot daughters. Many harlot daughters, many churches, no longer believing in Jesus. And let me, let me tell you that in our country right now, even within this city, there are so many different flavors of Christianity happening and so many different things that are happening that are not in the Bible. A different Jesus is being worshipped. A Jesus that embraces anyone for any reason and doesn't require you to change at all. You can come, you can come as you are and stay as you are is the mantra. Hey, listen, if you come into the presence of Jesus Christ, you will be changed. Amen? You read the Bible, you come into face to, you come into contact with Almighty God, believe me, whatever you were is gonna change. And that is the greatest witness, folks, is a changed life. My life has been completely changed because of Him, and only Him. And I am so blessed. So blessed. I've never been more alive in my life, and I'm so excited about it, and I love it. And that's the news that we want to share, right? But this, she is the mother of harlots, and these harlot daughters uh, comprise not only, again, of Roman Catholicism, which I believe is the root of it, the very foundation, but also apostate Protestantism. The Protestants aren't off the hook. And every foul thing, like Eastern mysticism and the New Age movement, it's all going to be together like a big unholy soup. And it's going to be ugly. And it was all spawned from the mother of harlots, Babylon. And it started back in Genesis. Back in Genesis, the devilish foundations of Babylon. Turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis uh, chapter 11. I'm going to read to you Genesis chapter 10, just a few verses. But go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 11, because we're going to go there shortly. But notice, before we do, in Genesis chapter 10, verses 6, it speaks of uh, this Babylon and the one who built it. It says, the sons of Ham, verse 6 of Genesis 10, the sons of Ham, because remember, after they came off the ark, there was Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And uh, Noah and his wife and, and, um, and the animals. 
But Shem, Ham, and Japheth, notice, the sons of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush were Sheba, Havilah, Sabta, Ramah, and Sabtaka. And the sons of Ramah were Sheba and Dadan. But notice verse 8, Cush begat Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And notice in verse 10 what it says, And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Babel literally means the gate of God, or the gate of heaven, the gate of God. And he also began building Erech, another town, Akkad, and Kalne, in the land of Shinar. And from that land, he went to Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth, uh, Ir, and Kalah, and Reason, between between Nineveh and Kalah, that is the principal city. So we see that Nimrod was this original builder. He built Babel, which is now called Babylon. It was called the city of God, but now God, you're going to see, is going to call it the, the, the city of confusion because of what he does to this place. And it's interesting that Nimrod's wife was known by the name of Semiramis, and she was a high priestess of idol worship. And so Nimrod was not a, uh, a man who was dedicated and devoted to God. He was involved in pagan idolatry aware, uh, as well. And according to extra-biblical records, Semiramis, she gave birth to a son who she claimed was conceived miraculously. And you wonder where this whole dogma of the Catholic Church, the Immaculate Conception, came from. I think it came from Babylon. That somehow there was a miraculous birth. Another virgin would give birth. We know the truth. Mary did. She was a virgin and she did give birth to Jesus. And that is definitely true. But just like everything with Satan, he counterfeits everything. And he counterfeits even the virgin birth. He counterfeits those involved and paints his own little picture. And see, deception very rarely is just a bald-faced lie. Most of the time it's 99% truth and 1% error. Or 90% truth and 10% error. Or 60% truth and 40% error. It doesn't matter. Anything to get you hooked in, to bring you in, and then the deception occurs. And that's exactly what happened. Also, Tammuz was the, was the offspring of that. He was said to have been killed by a wild animal and brought back to life. Like Jesus was brought back to life. That's the fact. This whole other thing is a bunch of nonsense. But that's where it came from, Babylon, these mystery religions. And then the son, Tammuz, was considered a savior of his people and was, in effect, a false messiah, purported to be the fulfillment of the promise given to Eve in Genesis 3, verse 15. And so we see the very beginning of it back in in the book of Genesis in Babylon. And it's interesting, too, we see this legend or this idea of the mother and the child. It became incorporated into the religious rites of many religions, many religions. It started in Babylon, and it was exported from there and became embedded in so many different religions all all around the world. And you see that in the slide before us this morning. In Assyria, the mother was Ishtar, and the child was Tammuz, and Phoenicia, Astarte, and Baal. And then going down, let me just go down the list here, even in Roman Catholicism, Mary and Jesus. Now that was a fact that these things happened, but they, they've made it something different. And they, 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 they claim that Mary was somehow equal and co-redeemer with Jesus, which is a bunch of nonsense. But all of this mother and child, the, 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 there's so many pictures in Roman Catholicism of, of the mother and child, and naturally so. 
But where did they get the fa- that there's just this fascination? Why not just be fascinated with Jesus? Mary was a blessed woman, no doubt. But you know, she's in heaven right now, shaking her head. Why are people doing that? Why are people venerating me? They should be venerating the only son. Follow me? So from Babylon, this was exported. And so this mother-son cult was exported throughout all of the world. And thus, Babylon is the mother. She's the mother of harlots. Now turn with me to Genesis chapter 11. What does it say? It says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed this mass of people from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And then they said to one another, Come and let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly through. So they were, these were kiln-baked bricks, meant to last, not something that's just for here and maybe in a few years kind of disintegrates. No, These were kiln-baked bricks. They were meant to last. And they had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, and this, this is their sin, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, that lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. So what? why was this sinful rebellion? It's very simple, because in Genesis, if you remember, God told Adam and Eve, He says, and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters in the sea, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And what did he say also in Genesis chapter 8, verses 15, when they came out of the ark? Then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife, and your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Bring out from with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth. Abound on the, on the earth, not just in the plain of Shinar. Do you follow me? Don't just come out and huddle and have a holy huddle and build a great tower. No, disperse throughout the earth, multiply throughout the earth. That was the command of God, was it not? But what happens when man gathers together, very naturally, of the the flesh? We better do something. We've got all this manpower. We can do anything. Nothing is restrained from us. We can do anything. And the evil heart of man is always going to take a a situation like that, and it's never going to end good. It never does. Have you ever noticed that about your nature? Left alone of itself without any guidance from the Lord, (laughs) we always dig ourselves a deep hole. And that's exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. The purpose of this tower that they had built, as well uh, as uh, later ziggurats, was to serve as a staircase from earth to heaven. And so human beings wanted to reach God by their efforts. This idea of pagan religion, humanism, which is man's doing his thing to better himself, to somehow do what he can do to reach God. I can do it. And that's really what religion is. Do you understand? That's why Christianity is really not a religion. It's a relationship. But religion is things that you have to do to be made right with God. Things that I have to do. I've got to walk on glass. I've got to, I've got to weep and, and take the flagellum and whip myself and, and make this pilgrimage to somewhere. All of that is works. <laughs> and that's religion for you. Religion is what I've got to do to reach God. But God says, I've done everything for you. Did he not say on the cross it is finished? That means we don't have to do anything but believe in his sacrifice and everything he said and did. I believe in him. And I'm secure. He does the work. All I have to do is believe what he did. 
I don't know about you, but that's really good news. That means I can't mess it up. Because he's already done the perfect thing, all i got to do is simply believe in that perfect thing. It's really quite simple, actually. But yet we somehow want to have our part in it. We somehow want to have our hooks in it and say, I did something as, you know, to, to, to save my own self. You've done nothing. You don't need to do anything. You simply need to believe. And so the ziggurat at Babylon, later rebuilt by Nebuchadnezzar, was named uh, a temenaka, which is a, is a word that just means the building which is the foundation of heaven and earth. The heaven and earth. So they decide they're going to reach God. And we know that they did awful, horrible practices on the top of that ziggurat. And you see that even in the Aztec religion today. They would sacrifice human beings, take out the heart of suspects up there and sacrifice it to their God. We see even that in the Mayan, in, the, in the, uh, those pagan religions in South America. Where did it come from? The mother of harlots, Babylon. It all started here. And it wasn't that God was concerned that they would reach him because he is way out of their reach. Rather, he was concerned that this united rebellion against him would, um, and the pagan practices that were carried out in that tower. And so what was God's response to this work of man? It tells us in verse 7 of chapter 11 there. It says, come, let us. Here's a reference to the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. And this is the mercy of God as well as a judgment against them. Do you understand that? Because to allow them to continue in this and not be accountable would lead them further into judgment that God would have to judge. Does that make sense? God stopped them in their process because he had just judged the earth. And now they come out and they begin to do these other things. He could have judged the earth again, but what did he do? Instead of judging them and starting all over again, he confused their language. And that's why we have French and German and, and Spanish and Russian and Arabic and Hebrew. All these languages that we see. Where did it come from? Right here, folks. Right here. The foundation of it was right here. How did God do that? I don't know. He can tweak anything in your brain and all of a sudden you don't understand. He's able. If he's able to say, let there be light, and there was light, I think it's a pretty easy thing for him to go, you know, I'm just going to confuse their language. They're going to have to develop a whole new language, and they separated into the earth, which is originally what he wanted them to do to begin with. Boy, we're knuckleheads. (laughs) Aren't we? Man left alone to his own devices, we're just a bunch of rebel scoundrels. Rebels! Aren't you glad your rebelness has been converted? I'm so glad for myself, for you as well. But notice they were disciplined to prevent further judgment. And this is God's grace. Do you see it as God's grace or just a mean God trying to stop uh, some big building project? No, it was his grace that he stopped them. Because if he didn't stop them, he would have to judge them. So in his grace, he confused their language, caused them to disperse throughout the earth. And Babel, Babylon literally means confusion, the city of confusion. So in verse 8 of of, uh, Genesis 11, it says, The Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, which is originally what he wanted to do. And they ceased building the city. Hallelujah. Now God doesn't have to judge them for what their their disobedience. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. And this is exactly the same thing that we're going to see. 
We're going to look at it more next week, hopefully, when we get into chapter 18. A literal city, Babylon, is going to be built on the shores of the Euphrates. And Saddam Hussein began building it in the 90s. And then he had to forego that because we invaded their country and put put a stop to it. But there's plenty there. They, they, They did quite a bit, and it's still there. And the Bible says that that place is going to be a city once again, and it won't take long. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.